This is David Alexander, head coach at the Broken Arrow Tigers. You're listening to Inside Tiger Football, presented by Rib Crib. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Inside Tiger Football, presented by Rib Crib. I'm Charlie Hanneman, joined by the head coach of the Broken Arrow Tigers, David Alexander. Coach, it is playoff time. All right. And... You can just feel a little something different this week as we get ready for Union. Yes, you know, um, a huge difference in the way we feel, right, compared to last week when we were talking about trying to get ready for Enid. Um, Union Redskins, you know, one of the premier programs, not only state of Oklahoma, but in the country, and um, getting them to come over here. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. What you know, what an, what an incredible opportunity for us, Broken Air Tigers. Health-wise, I know you've had some struggles. That's kind of been like the over yes. the overarching theme of the season. But right. it seems like everybody is kind of getting back to full strength. Where are you on that? Well, yeah, I, we are. We are we are more healthy now than we've been uh, at any point in the season, even game one. Um, you know, we're still down one guy, but you know, we're going to have uh, you know we're going to have our almost all of our captains back. We're going to have five of our six captains back. You know, Kewan Tolbert's going to be so good to have him back. Um, he didn't play, you know, last week. Miles Slusher uh, played about 15 plays last week, and so I think he's all full speed and ready to go. Um, you know, those those two guys alone make us so much faster on defense. Uh, it should be – should hopefully you'll see a big difference, right? Corey Williams, uh, the corner, is back. And his speed, he's probably our fastest guy on the football team, and he's back. So, you know, I know they're going to be out of shape a little bit, um, but we won't have any time to worry about that. We're going to have, they're going to have to go play as many plays as they can on Friday night. How important was that to get Miles just a few reps against Enid? Because he's been out for, yeah. you know, almost, I mean, yeah, six, a, weeks. six weeks or yeah. so. Yeah, and when he played the last game, he played the Norman game, he really didn't play a whole lot in right. that one. Yeah, it, you know, it's incredibly important just to have him run full speed because, you know, not only not – only, was he probably going to have a little ankle soreness from his first game, but he was going to have some soreness everywhere. First time to hit anybody, really, because we don't tackle in practice anymore. You know, uh, so his shoulder's going to be a little bit sore. Uh, his legs are going to probably be a little sore from running full speed, so we need to get that out of him. Um, so hopefully we can, uh, you know, he'll be ready 100% full speed Friday night against Union. Let's jump quickly into the Enid game last week just because we have so much sure. uh, more to talk about than we have in, in previous shows. Um, I mean, you come right out, march down the field, Sanchez Banks scores a five-yard touchdown run. He had three on the night, only needs to play the first half. Right. Jake was pretty good, hit Torrey Dillard down the far side on a bomb, 45-yard touchdown. Um, what what stood out to you from, from the first quarter there? You had uh, three touchdowns there, Banks, Dillard, and Banks, and I, I mean – Right. offensively and defensively, right. it went about as well as you could first quarter. Yeah, all you're looking for is, right, you're, you're a big favorite. You know, you're going to win the football game. But you want to see the execution. You want to see the concentration level be game time, concentration level. Everybody line up correctly, run the plays correctly. And that we, we did all that. Um, I was really proud of the group. Um, you know, long bus ride out there to Enid. And, you know, we got on the bus and we got dressed and we were ready to play a football game. Second quarter, Sanchez scores his third touchdown, a 13-yard run there. That kept off a – Six play, 63-yard drive, and then uh, one of my favorite plays of the night, that touchdown pass from Jake Raines to Keon Barnett, a 26-yard score, and just I mean, great run after the catch and great, great blocking. Yeah, great blocking out on the edge. And, you know, each week here the last few, Keon's made, you know, made guys miss. Uh, he's fantastic with the ball in his hands. 
And, you know, he's going to usually get single coverage with what Isaiah and Torrey Dillard have done this year. 35 nothing was our score at the half. Uh, they ran the clock in the second half. We got some reserves in. Julian Mosley uh, had another nice game. He scored a touchdown to go up 42 nothing, And then uh, Lance Young, two touchdown runs, an 11-yard run and a 35-yard run for Lance. And it was fun to watch from up high your guys on the sidelines, your ones and your twos kind of start inching down closer to the right. edge of the player's box when those guys were getting ready to score right. because – they love it just as much sure. as the guys that are scoring, dude. You know, those guys, you know, Julian Mosley is one of the, the favorites in the locker room. Um, everybody loves him. He's a senior, uh, and they were really excited for Julian to get his score. Uh, and, and has you know, he led us in rushing. He had a really good night um, and a great, great kid. Um, and then Lance, you know, Lance, it's funny, the defensive guys were probably more excited than anybody for Lance to score because he's our scout team tailback. And so he spends most of his time with the defensive guys. And so he got a couple scores. That 35-yard run was blocked up fantastic by the backup group and um, just uh, hit, the, hit the seam and, and outran the rest of the Enid players for 35 yards. It's pretty cool. Yeah, Mosley actually finished as the game's leading rusher, 10 carries, 82 yards in that score. And uh, your backup quarterbacks got a lot of time. Seth Dodd, 3 of 3, 18 yards. And, and Griffin Steber got a series, at least one, maybe two. Uh, and he completed a pass for yep. six yards that developmental time because you never know sure. with your quarterback. I mean, Jake and Seth both got reps last year as sophomores right. and now to have some, some experience, what does that do? Well, the, the, the biggest thing is not making the throws in the game. You know, that the nerves are going to come and the nerves are going to go in those. It's the operational stuff, you know, getting the play uh, called from the wristband and getting the players lined up, make sure you have the right 11 in the huddle for what the play is called and, you know, and executing it inside the 42nd clock. Um, you know, both Seth. Seth's a, a, a stud. Mentally, he's calm. You know, he plays for the basketball team. He's a, he's a great, great young man. You know, and Griffin Steber, he's, you know, his time, it's, you know, you're a little more up. Right, what's Griffin going to do? He's a sophomore. He's practiced both offense and defense. So, he's not getting a whole lot of practice time as a quarterback. But, he, again, he did a great job. He made a good read on his little throw. He made a, it was an RPO, and he made the right read. And then defensively, the player I want to ask you about, Torrance Ingram. Seven tackles and, and three tackles for loss. That guy in the middle seemed to be everywhere. He did. He did a fantastic job. Um, you know, he's a big man. Um, you know, he's not as mobile as what Campbell Yeager had been. But when he comes downhill, he brings a big pop. And um, so all we've told him, you know, don't worry about Don't try to be Campbell Yeager, right? You see the – whatever your read is, get downhill and get go fill up a hole. And uh, there were a couple poor Enid – Running backs, they took the brunt of a 225-pound uh, middle linebacker. Oof. Well, we'll take a time out here and uh, come back on our next segment and talk about Friday night's big matchup against the Union Redskins. You can get your All tickets right. online at GoFan.com. You can also get them uh, tomorrow at Tiger, Tiger Threads. You can also get them tomorrow at Tiger Threads from 9 until 5. Love to see a Broken Arrow Memorial Stadium, 7 o'clock Friday night playoffs as the Tigers take on the Union Redskins in the state quarterfinals. We'll take a timeout. Back with more Inside Tiger Football presented by Rib Crib right after this. Welcome back to Inside Tiger Football presented by Rib Crib. Charlie Hanneman and Coach Alexander back with you. One quick segment here before we get to Mike Golick from ESPN's Golick and Wingo. He's going to be calling in in our next segment to talk about uh, Coach Alexander's days with the Philadelphia Eagles. And 
whatever else happens to be on his mind. But as we look ahead to this playoff game against Union, it was 14 nothing. obviously, when we met back there in, in game right. number two. But uh, things have changed a lot for both teams. Both teams. Union yes. um, has switched quarterbacks going with Rovon Banks, uh, who we've seen a little bit, kind of brings sure. – uh, more of a dual threat than right. their starter that we saw yes, the first time, J.D. Geneva. What uh, what do you notice about Union as you guys get ready? Yeah, you know, you know, just like us, they had they had a really rough patch in the middle of the season. Um, not, you know, not playing particularly well. Lost a game that uh, you know no one expected them to lose to Mustang, and they went with a little bit of a youth moment, right? Um, went with a sophomore quarterback who we'd seen in JV uh, night. Um, playing several other sophomores um, in a couple of skill position spots. But the biggest change, besides obviously the quarterback, and that's because that's a huge change um, because it changes what their offense does, is uh, how many guys they have playing both ways now, which is a, an oddity for a union football team. Um, four of their starting offensive line uh, now rotate in on a defensive line and take turns playing defensive line. Um, the running backs that they're playing – are both are playing corner and safety. And so, uh, you know, Coach Frederick and his staff have decided, hey, these are, our, these are our top 15 kids that we think can go help us maybe win a state championship, and that's who we're going to roll with. Uh, you know, us, you know, we, we think we're the most healthy we've been since then. So hopefully um, we, we're both going to make some adjustments, and we'll see who can come out on top on a great game Friday night. Union schedule was was pretty front loaded this year. They started off one and four with losses to Lake Ridge, the Tigers, Owasso, and Mustang. Got their only win of the first five against Jinx, thirty five twenty. And then schedule kind of eased up a little bit, and they've had sure. some, some pretty convincing wins down the stretch over Putnam City North, Moore, Norman North, Southmore, and Edmond North last week to finish it out. It's kind of interesting just to, to think about Union being at one and four and. Yeah, I guess you, I mean you've been in tough situations sure. before. You have to credit those guys at, right. and the coaching staff and their players for turning things around because, yeah. as even a program like Union, it can go sideways completely. Oh, of course, you know, man. There's there's millions of factors, you know, and obviously I'm not over there, but you know, there's millions of factors that that go into that, um, and you don't know if it's injuries, you don't know if it's academia, you don't know if it's um, you know what's going on, but. You know, when, uh, you know, coaching staff with as much seasoning and as much success as Unions has, Coach Frederick and his staff, there's a bunch of those guys who have been there a long, long time. You know, you knew that they're not going to just roll over. And they've done they've done a fantastic job. They've been rocking and rolling now for six weeks. And it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. See who can make the most adjustments and, and be ready to play. What has this playoff season been like? Uh, for you as your coaching staff? Because last year, we kind of talked about this on the pregame show Friday, we played on Thursday to finish it up. Sure. And then you got to go scout Friday. But then, you know, this week, or this season, we were driving back from Enid still not knowing sure. who we were going to play. And it right. came down to a couple of different things. And uh, there were a lot of just lot everything of, up in the air. So how do you – how do you? I mean, you really only have the one week to kind of prepare for Enid because there were just so many options. Sure. You know, and, well, you just – you know, you just work as the best you can. Now, what I did as a staff with our staff this this weekend, um, we usually have the kids, the players come in on Saturday. Well, we give the player, we gave the players off, um, so the coaches wouldn't have that two hour window with the kids. We went ahead and and used all day Saturday as a game planning day, um, and then we brought this, the kids in uh, on Sunday afternoon between the morning church service and anybody, any kid that wanted to go to the evening church service. We brought them in at 2 o'clock, and we fed them. Uh, we grilled the Brewster Club, grilled out hamburgers and hot dogs. But, you know, we were able to give the, 
give them in meetings, you know, 50, 60% of the game plan, what we were thinking. So, you know, we didn't, obviously we couldn't practice, but we were able to steal a day of meeting time and because we already we'd done some of our game plans. So we, since we weren't able to scout and we really didn't know who we were going to play until you know, that long bus ride back from Enid. Broken Arrow and Union coming up Friday night at Memorial Stadium. We'll be on the Animal with the pregame show at 6.30. Kickoff is at 7. Don't forget, tickets on sale now. GoFan.com and Tiger Threads tomorrow from 9 to 5, just inside the front doors of Broken Arrow High School. Take a timeout. Back with Mike Golick of ESPN Radio. After this, you're listening to Inside Tiger Football, presented by Rib Crib. Welcome back to Inside Tiger Football presented by Rib Crib. Charlie Hanema and David Alexander joined by a very special guest, Mike Golick, the host of Golick and Wingo on ESPN Radio, joins us now, a former teammate of Coach Alexander with the Philadelphia Eagles. Mike, thanks for the time, man. How's it going out in Connecticut? Oh, man. It, it, well, it's getting a little cold here, but I guess that happens, you know, this time of year every year. You know, it's called a little thing called winter. So just getting used to it, just breaking the shovels on everything again and and still trying to think back in the day why we used to not wear long sleeve shirts <laughs> when it was cold out. We we tried to be so tough back then, and it was yep. so stupid. <laughs> man, I, I'm now, Mike, as we get older, coach, we, uh, Mike, when we go out to practice, I've got I've got sweatshirts, I've got coats, oh. I've got caps on, and the kids are running around with with no sleeves. I'm like, hey, I love it, I love it for you guys, but man, I'm I'm bundling up. I could vouch for that, too. You do the pregame interview with Coach Alexander, and you have to wait 15 minutes for him to put 24 layers on. But, man. <laughs> it, is, it is so amazing. The coldest game I think I ever played in was we played in the Meadowlands one yes. time. It was about 19 or 20 below. Yes. And I remember we were out there for pregame, and it was me and Reggie and uh, Reggie White, Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons, Mike Pitts, and, and we all had no long sleeves on. And we are like, yeah, you know, we got to do this. And, we went out for pregame. We went back in, and every one of them but me put long sleeves on. I said, come on, guys, seriously. <laughs> and then, then I just realized it is just so stupid. It, is just, it means absolutely nothing to try and sit there and act like you don't need to wear a long sleeve shirt. <laughs> well, Coach A, tell me about your relationship with Mike. I know you guys play together, but it goes a lot deeper than that. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, Mike and I um, were young football players in the NFL together. Uh, Mike had been in the league a couple of years before me, but, you know, we were just starting our families and, uh, and been young guys on the team with, all, you know, you obviously heard about all those, those defensive stars we had and the same thing, we had these big, huge names on offense, and we're just young guys trying to find a way to fit in. And, uh, you know, we're having our kids, our, you know, um, Mike's second son and my oldest son, Jake, are born, you know, just a few weeks apart. And obviously, that really that really uh, builds a special bond. And we both we named both of our sons Jake, and they're just a couple weeks apart. We, you know, we talked about it. We had to, and we said, you know, hey, we're not going to live in the same apartment complex for the rest of our lives. And you guys want to name your son Jake, and Kathy and I did too. And uh, it's kind of it's really a cool story. Uh, another couple that we hung out with, you know, my my wife Kristen and I, and David, our and his wife Michelle. At one point, now um, they had their first their first son TJ right around the same time, and uh, so all three of them were pregnant at the same time. Remember, we did that like it was my God, was it in somebody's basement, like a local like yes. cable access show yes. where we we played like the dating game or <laughs> yes. something while our wives were all 
so close to giving birth and we're doing this dating game thing. Yes. It, was, it was hilarious. It was, yeah, the, yes, it was like free access in Wayne's world. We were in somebody's yeah, basement on, on, a, on a divan doing a dating game with the three women that are eight and a half months pregnant. It was uh, fun. Oh, yeah, that was, that, was, that was fun, all right. That was interesting. <laughs> but, oh, God. Listen, we, we hung out all the time, you know, the, the six of us. It was, it was great. Um, I mean, it was, it was – I know my, my best time in pros was in yes, Philly. No I love that crowd there. And that's when, that's when you meet people, you know. They say when you leave the game, if you can leave with actual friends. You know, a lot of right. times it's just teammates and acquaintances. But, you know, we were able to leave and have, you know, long-lasting relationships. It's been – been pretty cool we had a pretty good defense back then so usually dave in the interior old line was happy to win one-on-ones when i would go Jeez. against him or it wasn't jerome or, no. <laughs> you're, you know, mike you're a lot like i am you're, you're all you know you're very self-deprecating but uh, no uh, there was no easy days um back th- back then t- um with freaking uh one-on-ones and full full live go inside run and team and blitz period it was uh it was hold on to your socks every day Oh, man. And I tell you, one of the best stories, though, when uh, the first year of free agency, when I ended up going to Philly, and a few of my te- our, our teammates came down there, Keith Byers, Keith Jackson, Ron Heller. We all went down to Miami. And that year, we happened to come back up to Philly to play <laughs> against the Eagles. It happened to be Don Shula's 325th victory when he passed George Hallis for the all-time lead. And, and, you know, I won't sell anybody out of names of anybody who was, who was playing next to Dave, but, but they weren't the sharpest tool in the shed and always kind of needed to be reminded of play and or snap count. Yes. And, and I kind of knew all the different variations of checks. And at one point, Dave said to the guard next to me, he said, you do realize that that guy used to play here and knows everything we're talking about right now. <laughs> I had to keep telling the left guard to shut up. Cause, and and yeah. there was there was one time I kept telling him to be quiet, and he kept asking, and, and literally, we're, we have our hands on the ground, and Mike Golick across from me is laughing. He's giggling because he, <laughs> he knows it's run. He knows which way it's going. He knows the snap count. I'm like, you know, come on, dude. Give me a break Yeah, here. That, was, that was pretty good. <laughs> Hey, I want to ask you about one of Broken Arrow's players, Mike, uh, right tackle by the name of Andrew Rame. You might have heard Coach A talk about him. Uh, he's making his 46th start for Broken Arrow Friday. That's a school record, four-star rivals prospect, number one player in Oklahoma, committed to OU. You see a ton of elite football players with your job, but what do you know about Andrew Rame, and what have you heard Coach talk about him, and just where do you think the future lies for that kid? Well, I mean, I, I've heard I've heard Dave talk about it. I've certainly seen uh, some of the tape on him as well. And going to OU, I mean, you look at what that line has put in the pros. And I know OU has a center right now. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's just a sophomore. That's that's one of the one of the tops, if not the top, in the country. And they just put a whole bunch of guys uh, in the NFL. So he's going to a great spot. As long as you know, we'll see if Lincoln Riley stays there for a right. while, or if he ends up right. being the next Cowboys coach. That's right. But that's, listen. I understand the one thing about, you know, you get a kid with talent like that, and to, to, to Dave's credit, the, the way Dave coaches, Dave was always one of the smartest guys I ever played against and technically sound players I ever played against. So you know the type, you know what the players are being taught there. Obviously, you have a championship-level squad, and then when you get a player that has that much ability and he's taught, because now what's going to separate? You know, in high school, you could be a better athlete than somebody and really kind of dominate. But as you start going up the levels, as Dave and I know, you know, that, that line starts to get a right. lot closer. So something yeah. else has to separate. And it comes down to certainly want to and, you know, strength and all that kind of right. thing. But then there's the technique, the proper feet, the proper hands, the proper stance, 
and and that's what's going to separate when the when the when when you get a little closer in athletic ability. Perfect. So, exactly given right. the background that he's going to have, you know, going to OU, uh, that that's just going to continue. I'm sure. Talking with Mike Golick from Golick and Wingo on ESPN Radio, and and Mike, I know we get this all the time. Parents want to know what what's the best for my kid. How do, how do I help my kid develop and have a good experience? In athletics, you hear people specializing earlier and earlier, and there's a lot of there's a lot of noise for parents now that maybe you guys didn't have to deal with when you were coming up. So, what do you tell parents of young athletes now? Well, I mean, I, I want to get into that, but I want to ask Dave, like, because uh, you know, my wife Crystal does a lot with USA Football and right. Pop Warner, yes. and I'm sure you have an incredible feeder system. So, I, I because I, I have to actually do a video in a couple of weeks about, you know, lower level football. So I'm wondering when you go and talk to the, the schools, the theater programs too, right. how is it now? How is it with the Pop Warner and the youth group that are coming up to eventually be guys that you're going to coach? How has that changed over the years? Well, Mike, we are the, the reason our high school football program here is so good is because of how strong our feeder program is. You know, it kind of goes hand in hand. You 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 assume that, but that's exactly right. We have a great feeder program. And, yes, uh, all of our youth coaches from third grade, you know, not all the kids start in third grade, but our, the coaches, the, the league starts in third grade through the seventh grade, they're all required to take that USA football program. Um, right. And it's, it has been fantastic. Um, it's made a huge difference. You know, we just – we had a fifth-grade team just win a championship the other day. And um, I, it's, it's – since our – youth program has started doing this right now that first group that went through is probably my sophomore group I the uh, the the change in the way they teach uh blocking and tackling obviously tackling the number one thing has has changed so so it's it's made a big difference we don't have to spend so much time you know taking the head out of the game um and teaching the proper technique They, they learned it as as little kids and then when you learn it as a kid now it becomes a habit and that's that's the best way to um to explain it so, so now going back and answering your, the, the, the question is, I think the next best great tacklers are going to be kids that are in high school now or even right. the youth level because we know the tackling is, is not good right. what it has been. Right. And it is about taking the head out of the game. And listen, it, it's, been, it's been a battle for youth football because you have these organizations that are trying to ban youth football all around the country. My wife actually right. goes around and speaks to the different places around the country to try and and, you know, talk about the positives of teamwork and about about just what uh, playing football does. Quite honestly, whether it's flag or pads, however they want to start. But I, I guess our thought is, instead of just saying, let's do away with it, let's find ways right. to, Make it to better. better it. If, if, right. if we're learning to keep the head out of the game, teach keeping the head out of the game. Let's get If the equipment is getting better, let's make sure we get the kids the proper equipment. And the biggest thing, Dave, I'm sure, as you know, is is youth coaching they have to buy in to right. what is being sold right now they can't be the throwbacks from 50 years ago you know that, <laughs> no, that you right. can't have a drink of water and we gotta you know everybody's right. got to do bull in the ring or or you know right. all that kind of stuff you got to be smart about it so that's that's really the message that that i and my wife send out there as well as play other sports we're still big into you look at first round and draft picks in the NFL. A lot of these guys are multi-sport athletes right. in what they're involved in, be involved in, in a lot of different sports, and, and just kind of buy into the way the game is being taught now. Well, you hit on a couple of great things there. You know, 
the with the tackling, right? Since we're teaching it, it's so much easier for us to teach fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade football players how to tackle correctly when you have a program that's built up and you show them video yep. of how it works in the NFL. If right, and when you when they can see their uh, you know the Seattle Seahawks doing it and all these teams doing right. it, you know, it's it's so much easier to sell. The greatest thing about the the yeah, I don't want to say new tackling, but having the head behind the tackling is it makes them run their feet. They have to keep running. They have to stay on their feet and run through. Um, and that's, as a coach, that's one of our biggest things, you know, even whether it was Lee with the head or not, you know, from 25 years ago to now, you know, just stay on your feet and keep running, and you're going to get somebody to the ground whether your head's in there or not. Yeah, everybody, it was always, you know, we're, the head was used as part of the tackling, and right. now we're taking that out, so other things have to come into play. And feet being the key thing there. I, I think, you know, and in, in some, and I don't know about your leagues, but in some leagues, they, they do less hitting during the week or X amount of hitting right. during the week. But, you know, and, and as far as I'm concerned, that leaves more time to teaching fundamentals because uh, as I'm sure you coach and teach, I don't have any doubt about that. Fundamentals is so key. I will never forget when my dad coached me as a, as a young player. I would actually get in front of a mirror every night and get in a stance, a right-handed stance and a left-handed stance, 25 to 50 times a night, just to just so it was natural. I mean, just to naturally get in the stance and take a step here and take a right-hand stance and a left-hand stance. It's just amazing how, how far the fundamentals can take you when you carry that up through feet, being square, wrapping up, running through, keeping your head to the side. I mean, when you can teach kids that young, all the correct ways to do it. It's just going to grow with them as they get older. Mike, I'll, I'll get you out of here on this. I don't get to talk to very many guys that know Coach Alexander as long as you have. So before we let you leave, hit me with one more of your best David Alexander stories that we can hold over his head for a little while. Oh, my God. Jeez. Listen, the thing about it is Dave and I weren't the characters on that team. No. All right? I mean, we, we had some, some – some, from the guys on my side of the ball – the guys, oh my God, to the Ron Hellers and Ron Soltz and, and McKnight's of the world, the guys that were real pieces of work uh, <laughs> on that team. Dave and I were mild compared. Dave yes. and I were about as, as kind of laid back family guys, you know, hanging out as there were. So uh, we, we, we could probably do stories about teammates of one on one yes. when one guy would threaten to go to his car to get something out of his car to take care of one of our other D linemen. I mean, listen, it got probably one of the, the funniest things that ever happened was we were, we had, we got in a bunch of fights as you do under buddy Ryan in training camp. And it was, it was really, I think it was Ron. I can't, I think it was Ron Heller, was Heller. that were really yeah. going at it. That this one practice so much so that after, right when you walk into our locker room at Westchester is the showers right there. And as a D line, we stayed out a little late that day. Uh, to, to do some stuff so everybody else was in. And it was really hot and contested between the O-line and D-line that day, mostly Jerome and, and Ron. And sure enough, we're walking back in the, the locker room, and we're in full pads, the D-line, still completely full pads. And as we're walking by the shower, Heller just happens to be walking out of the shower, and he's walking out of the shower, and so he's naked. And there's Heller, and there's Jerome. You know, and Heller's kind of like, we all stop and Heller's kind of looking at Jerome and, and Heller's like, Hey dude, it was practice, you know, everything, forget it, blah, blah, blah. And of course, Jerome, as Dave would know, the late great Jerome Brown started chirping at Heller, like, no, it's not over and blah, blah, blah. So sure enough, Heller 
buck naked gets into a stance like he wants to fight. Yeah, squares so up on him. Yep. Jerome gets it. Jerome gets into a stance like he's going to fight. So this is happening. So the rest of the O line comes out of the shower and they're naked, and we're all in our gear. And we're all squared off like it's the freaking West Side Story, you know, gang war between a naked O-line and a fully padded D-line until we all realized how stupid we looked and we just started laughing. And and, and that was, uh, that was yeah, the end of it. That was a special bonding moment. Yes. Jerome in his high-pitched voice said, I can't fight you. Hell, you ain't got no clothes on. Oh, <laughs> that was, that was uh, a very, very interesting scenario. That's for sure. That is hard to top, but uh, we'll try to do it. <laughs> Mike Golick, thanks for the time. Golick and Wingo on ESPN Radio. You can listen here in Tulsa on AM 1550 or 99.9 FM. Sure, appreciate the time, man. Thank you very much. Oh, no problem at all. You got it. All right, that's Mike Golick. We'll take a timeout. Back with more Inside Tiger Football presented by Rib Crib after this. One final segment here on Inside Tiger Football presented by Rib Crib. Charlie Hanema and David Alexander back with you as we get set for playoff football. Broken Arrow and Union coming up Friday night. Memorial Stadium in Broken Arrow, 7 o'clock kickoff. Coach, take me through how it works or what it's like preparing for a high school opponent the second time. You know, in the NFL, you see yeah. that with your division teams. Right. You're going to play them twice a year. And there's some familiarity there, but there was that stretch with Union and Jinx forever sure. that whoever won the backyard bowl would it end would up lose. losing in the right. championship game. And yeah. just well, what's that, the dynamic there? There is a dynamic. It's the chip on the shoulder, right? It's uh, and it's uh, you worry about teenage boys, right? Because that's what we have on our football team. You know, being complacent. Hey, you know, we had such a dominating defensive performance the first time we played them. You know, hey, we do, you know you worry about your kids. Just hey, do, can we roll our helmets out there and win another football game? And you know, these these high school boys, high school football players, they're not used to it like the NFL guys, right? That every year, no matter what, if you're on the Philadelphia Eagles, you're going to play the Dallas Cowboys twice. And so, you know, seeing an opponent again in the playoffs, you know, you saw it last year with us in Owasso. You know, we we really dominated the, the non-district game early in the season. And then in the semifinals, you know, it was a, it was a gut check, and we were very lucky to come out with a win. Could you almost make the argument that you're better positioned for the playoffs this year than last year, just with how the schedule went last year when you guys blew out everybody right. for the last, like, two months, and sure. then all of a sudden, and even in the first playoff game, right. and then you had a Wasso, as opposed to this year, you've got a, a big-name team right off the bat, and then waiting in the semis is one of the teams that beat you. Well, you're hitting the nail on the head as far as how coaches feel, right? We're, we're a paranoid group, and we're always grasping at things, and you know, last year, um, Noah Cortez hadn't played past the middle of the second quarter in, in seven weeks or six weeks. You know, now, you know, our dudes have been playing, um, you know, the Andrew Rames and, you know, the Sanchez's and, the, you know, he's had 30 carries up until week nine. And, you know, and Andrew, all those guys, the linemen have been playing. They're in shape. There's not going to be any surprise about what it's like to come out of halftime and have to go play in a tight ball game. Coach Alexander, thanks for the time. Good luck. Friday night against the Union Redskins. You can catch that game 7 o'clock at Broken Arrow Memorial Stadium. Tickets on sale. GoFan.com. We'll have it on the animal for you as well. Pre-game at 6.30. For Coach Alexander and all of our crew, I'm Charlie Hanema saying good night from Broken Arrow. Thanks for listening to Inside Tiger Football presented by Rib Crib. To listen back to today's episode of Inside Tiger Football presented by Rib Crib or to listen to previous episodes, podcast us on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Just search Broken Arrow Public Schools.